Hello and welcome to Leviticus 11. Yahweh spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the living things which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and chews the cud among the animals, you may eat. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat of those that chew the cud or of those who part the hoof, the camel, because it chews the cud but doesn't have a parted hoof, is unclean to you. The hyrax, because it chews the cud, doesn't have a parted hoof, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud and doesn't have a parted hoof, is unclean to you. The pig, because it has a split hoof and is cloven-footed but doesn't chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat their meat, you shall not touch their carcasses, they are unclean to you. You may eat of all these things that are in the waters. Whatever has fins and scales in the waters, in the seas and in the rivers, that you may eat. All that doesn't have fins and scales in the seas and rivers, all that move in the waters, and all the living creatures that are in the waters, they are an abomination to you. And you shall detest them. You shall not eat of their meat, and you shall detest their carcasses. Whatever has no fins nor scales in the waters is an abomination to you. You shall detest these among the birds. They shall not be eaten because they are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects that walk on all fours are an abomination to you. Yet, you may eat of these, of all winged creeping things that go on all fours which have long jointed legs for hopping on the earth. Even of these you may eat, any kind of locust, any kind of catydid, any kind of cricket, and any kind of grasshopper. But all winged creeping things which have four feet are an abomination to you. By these you will become unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. Whoever carries any part of their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every animal which has a split hoof that isn't completely divided or doesn't chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches them shall be unclean. Whatever goes on its paws among all animals that go on all fours, they are unclean to you. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. He who carries their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean to you. These are they which are unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth the weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko and the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink and the chameleon. These are they which are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until the evening. Anything they fall on when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is any vessel of wood or clothing or skin or sack, whatever vessel it is, with which any work is done, it must be put into water and it shall be unclean until the evening, then it will be clean. 
Every earthen vessel into which any of them falls, and all that is in it shall be unclean. You shall break it. All food which may be eaten, which is soaked in water, shall be unclean. All drink that may be drunk in every such vessel shall be unclean. Everything whereupon part of their carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether oven or range for pots, it shall be broken in pieces. They are unclean and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which water is gathered shall be clean, but that which touches their carcass shall be unclean. If part of their carcass falls on any sowing seed which is to be sown, it is clean. But if water is put on the seed and part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. If any animal of which you may eat dies, he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until the evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth is an abomination, it shall not be eaten. Whatever goes on its belly, and whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet, even all creeping things that creep on the earth, you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps. You shall not make yourselves unclean with them, that you should be defiled by them. For I am Yahweh your God. Sanctify yourselves therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any kind of creeping thing that moves on the earth, for I am Yahweh who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animal, and of the bird, and of every living creature that moves in the waters, and of every creature that creeps on the earth, to make a distinction between the clean and the unclean, and between the living thing that may be eaten and the living thing that may not be eaten. Well, we're getting into some interesting things now. And um, we've just been through all these different types of animals, which ones God said were clean and that therefore you were allowed to eat, and which ones were unclean and therefore they were not allowed to eat. And of course, we're talking about um, a situational, you know, a specific situation for the moment. We're not talking about now. Um, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, for the children of Israel, in the moment that this was written, living in the desert under the old covenant, um, why were certain animals considered okay, clean, and some animals considered unclean? Well, the first thing we have to say about this is this isn't saying things were moral or immoral, um, but it was ceremonially clean or ceremonially unclean. There's been lots of theories about this, and uh, we're not going to get into this because this is a big debate. But one of the theories is that some animals were symbolically clean or symbolically unclean. In other words, they represented good or bad things. Another theory is it was ethical. It was good to eat certain things for ethical reasons and others for unethical reasons. I really don't see how that can be the case, but that's one of the theories. Another is that it's aesthetic. You know, it's pleasing to eat things like goats because they're clean, but unpleasing to eat things like, you know, bats because that's just aesthetically unpleasing. Well, that's not very, it seems a bit arbitrary to me. It doesn't seem like God to just decide, you know, some things look good and some things don't, let's go with that. 
Another reason is hygienic. And I think there's, a, there's a, a pretty good case to be made for this. In other words, living in the desert um, where there's no refrigeration, certain animals were safer to eat. You know, we all know that you can eat beef and it, it can handle being left out of the fridge for days even um, in, un, in certain circumstances and you won't get sick. Whereas you can't leave chicken or you, um, you know, for example, pork, you can't leave it out of the fridge for any amount of time or you'll get food poisoning. So there's, you know, a case to be made here. Like, for example, it talked about the fish. It says anything with scales and fins you could eat, it was clean. Anything that didn't was unclean. And if you think about fish, you know, that's safe to eat. But if you think about, say, a toadfish, which doesn't have scales, that's toxic. So the hygienic argument is that God just knew that some things were good to be consumed and some things weren't. That there's a pretty good case to be made for that. And it, certainly with all the birds, you know, all the birds like the raven and the owls, they're all scavenging birds and they eat things that are just like roadkill. Obviously there was no roadkill back then, but they eat dead, dead animals or carcasses. So there it's not hygienic. So I think there's a good argument for the hygienic. Then there's morphological, which has to do with the way the animals digest. And there's a bit of something to that because God does talk about the animals that chew the cud. But I also think that has a hygienic element. And finally, the last argument is theological, that there are spiritual reasons for it. And I think that's definitely true because um, of the obedience factor. But out of all of these, symbolic, ethical, aesthetic, hygienic, morphological, and theological, the best one really is the hygienic because God is, he's got a couple of million people. They're in the desert. There's no refrigeration. They're going to come into the promised land where there still is no refrigeration and God wants to keep these people healthy. So there's very practical reasons for these rules. And notice they're ceremonial rules. They're not moral rules. So he's not saying that you've sinned if you ate something wrong. He just says you're unclean until evening. But I also think there are theological reasons as well. And so, because when they come into the promised land, for example, the Canaanites were really um, into pigs and pork. And we know that because there's been excavations done in the promised land where they found a lot of pig bones. Um, so there was, there's theological reasons, you know, where God wouldn't want the children of Israel to be mixed up with the practices of the others there and to contaminate their religion with the religion that was already there. So some of the rules may be theological. In other words, God's trying to keep them separate. There's practical reasons for that as well. So I think that God's smart enough to have multiple reasons for his, his command. And as well as that, we look back on this from a New Testament point of view and we realize, well, we don't have to keep these laws now, but we can see that there's a theological lesson in all of this for us about being clean and about being unclean, about what we consume. So we, you might go to the supermarket and you might buy some bacon now, which technically is unclean according to these laws, but we have refrigeration now. We also don't have the ceremonies that they had back in Israelite times. So we, we don't have to worry about being ceremonially clean or unclean. So the exact things don't matter for us as much, but we can apply all of this in another whole way. So when you sit down at at night, at the end of a hard day, and you think to yourself, I just want to relax and I want to watch some TV, what you choose to watch is something that you're putting into your body. Just like these Israelites were putting things into their body, food, 
Well, you're gonna be putting things into your mind. So are you gonna put into your mind things that are clean and godly? Or are you gonna fill your mind up with things that are unclean and ungodly, things that will pollute you and corrupt you? So technically, it might not be a sin to accidentally watch something that's, that's polluted, but it might make you unclean. And you might need to cleanse your mind and you might need to renew it and get rid of that. But of course, if the children of Israel know that God has commanded them not to eat a certain thing and they say, you know what, I don't care what God wants, I'm going to eat pork anyway, now they are guilty of a sin because they're now disobeying the Lord. So even though the pork itself might not be sinful to eat, if you accidentally ate it, if someone you know fed you pork and they didn't know and you ate it, now you could say, all right, well, I haven't sinned because it was unintentional, but I'm unclean and I've got to cleanse myself. Fair enough, but if someone deliberately disobeyed the Lord, that's clearly a sin. And I think for us, it's the same too. We've got to be careful what we allow into our minds and our hearts to keep ourselves clean. And um, if we do let things into our mind, let's say, I've heard of a show, I haven't seen it myself, it's called, um, I think it's Game of Thrones, is that it? And I've heard that this show is terrible and that it's full of violence and rape and it's, it, it pollutes the minds of people who watch it. Well, if you've got your mind full of that type of a thing, and that's just an example, there's lots of examples. People read this book called Shades of Grey. I haven't read it, but I've heard that it's terrible as well. Well, that's an example of consuming unclean things. And so you need to cleanse yourself. You need to, to cleanse your mind, confess, lay it before the Lord, repent of these things, and remove it from your mind so that you can be presentable to God, basically. And um, in the New Testament, there's a couple of passages which, which allude to this. And one of them is where Jesus says, in Mark chapter 7, he says, it's not what goes into your body that makes you clean. He's talking about food, but what comes out. And what he was saying is that you can eat food. There's nothing either good or bad about the actual food you eat, But he's saying what comes out of you, in other words, the things you say and the things you think, those are what make you clean or unclean. And that's correct. These Old Testament passages were very practical for the children of Israel, but they were the beginning of teaching us to think a whole new different way. So now we've we've had the physical example, but now it's been able to lead us towards the deeper truth, which is that there are things that get into our minds and our hearts which pollute us, and we need to make sure we're clean of those things. Later on in the book of Acts chapter 10, Paul has, uh, Peter has a vision of a, a blanket of animals being let down, all sorts of things when they're like snakes and, and they were unclean animals, and the voice from heaven says, take, kill, and eat. <laughs> Peter's like, no, I can't do those things. I'm a Jew. We don't do that. And he has this vision three times. But the lesson of that vision was not about the meat at all, Uh, It was really about people because the early church, which was all Jewish, they looked at Gentile people and they thought that those people were unclean. But the Lord was trying to teach them that no, people were not unclean. It's it's, um, that, that they were allowed to associate with them too. So I think God, because he knows we're so narrow minded, he has to begin with physical, tangible things we understand like don't eat this, don't eat that, that's clean, that's unclean. But then once we've got that idea down, he's able to build on that to teach us a deeper truth. So here in Leviticus 11, we've got the beginnings of this, the beginnings of the idea of things being good or not good. 
And um, that was very practical for the children of Israel in the desert. But now by the time we come to the New Testament, we've now got the deeper truth that this was always getting at from the beginning. And that is we must guard our hearts and our minds and make sure we keep things out that are not good. And um, so if you eat bacon, it's okay. But there are a lot of people in the world that won't, especially Jews and Muslims. And there are people who don't eat meat because they think they might be vegetarian, because they think that God's original plan is Garden of Eden, no meat. Or they might be vegan because they think that we shouldn't touch living things. I don't mind if people have their reasons for those things, but um, it's not a Bible reason. Um, it's okay, according to the New Testament, to eat meat, and you haven't sinned if you do. But at the same time, we do completely respect people who choose not to for their own reasons as well. Father, you said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I ask, Lord, that you'd renew our minds, that you remove everything out of our minds and our hearts, which is unclean and impure, that we might be presentable before you and we might be able to stand before you and not be people who are impure, polluted, unclean. I thank you for the lesson of Leviticus 11 and I pray that it would inform us that we should be careful what we eat. We should be careful what we consume. And I pray that grace for this be imparted to everyone today in Jesus' name. Amen.